Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. It is the Last Stand. I'm Brian Custer. We bring you some of the biggest names in the sport and in the 130-pound division. Hey, there's no bigger name than the champ himself. He is the WBO Super Featherweight Champion of the World, known as Semper Fi. He's Jamel Herring. Champ, welcome to The Last Stand. Hey, hey, good to be, it's good to be on, Brian. Good to be, good to be speaking with you again, man. It's good to, so I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. Hey, it's <laughs> been a long time, so it's yeah. great that it has been a long time, man. You, you Listen, you're coming off. What a victory. Uh, a six-round stoppage over Carl Frampton. You not only stop him, you basically ended his career. I mean, he retires uh, right after the fight. What did that victory mean to you, mean to your career? Um, hands down, the, the biggest victory of my career, um, for starters. But overall, it, it meant a lot because, you know, coming up from my own career, I got to watch the fights with him between Santa Cruz, you know, the first two fights. And, you know, just to have this a fight, uh, a champion that, you know, who's won three world titles in two weight classes, and actually have a win over, not only a win over him, but a, but a, a spectacular win, it meant a lot. It meant, it meant more than just winning the title. It solidified me as a legitimate world champion in a pretty much stacked division. How much did it, did it motivate you? Um, how much did it bother you coming into the fight? Because it was almost as if people were doubting you going into that fight. Oh, um, yeah, that, that was definitely the motivation. The motivation was to prove that I'm still here, despite of everything that I've been through in my past. Like, Brian, you know, you know, you've seen me come up in the rankings. Like, I've been through the ups and downs, and I never gave up on myself. But I had to, to prove it again that, you know, that a setback or whatever you may want to call it doesn't define who I am in or out the ring. So that was the motivation. Instead of, instead of you know, being upset about things that were said or happened, I just took this motivation each and every day in that gym and I, and I used it, you know, to get to the fight. You know, I thought, I think it's interesting you say that because, you know, not, not, uh, uh, it feels fairly recently, you put out a, a tweet on social media and you said, quote, you can't satisfy everyone and everybody won't side with your opinion. This is why of late I've taken things with a grain of salt. Life is good. Tell me what you meant by that. I mean, like even 
win, win or lose, people people were still gonna find something to complain about or say. But I, you know, I'm very grateful, of course, for the ones that that have stuck and you know stayed by me through the ups and downs and supported me and um you know complimented me on my victory. But at the same time, with boxing, you know, Brian, with boxing, you won't satisfy everybody out there. So you gotta just you know you gotta just just live your life and, and just continue pushing forward and, and, and doing what's best for you. I mean, even, you know, the great Floyd Mayweather, who's retired, he still gets criticized. And the man is not even getting ready for a fight, but they still they still judge and criticize what he's done in the past. So I look at things like that and just say, you know what? I'm, I'm just happy with, with what I've accomplished so far, and I'm just going to continue going forward. But I'm going to do it my way. Mm, that's great. That's great. Um, listen, what do you think that win said to the 130 pound division uh, when it comes to Jamel Herring? That I'm still a threat and I'm, I'm still hungry. And for me, I still fight as if I'm, I'm trying to fight for something. I'm not I'm not satisfied with just being the champion. And like I said, even at 35, I still feel like I still have a lot to prove. And and then like the way, you know, the way if I continue to perform that way, I know I can still go far, you know, with my career in, in the division. So, but, you know, like I said, um, I'm just glad that for more importantly, that that people have taken notice now and and, and the people are speaking. Like, it's, just, it's funny how things play out. A few months ago, I was being right. I was being written off again. But then that was like, oh, wait, well, you know, we can make some, he can make some big fights. And, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a serious, he's a serious guy, you know, to reckon with. So. I mean, that, like I said, I'm just enjoying the moment, but I'm just glad that for least that I'm getting um, positive, positive reviews and, and um, you know, a lot of love and respect. Uh, so what's next for you? Uh, you know, I hear that your team has been working on your next opponent. What can you tell us? I mean, we all know um, that Shakur is, is my mentor. Shakur Stevenson, you know, is, is, is a good guy. Um, good fighter, good friend of mine. Uh, we, yesterday we had some little back and forth on Twitter, but not, nothing, nothing crazy. Guess that, and that's just that's just a respect, a mutual respect in between me and Shakur. But for me, Brian, like I said, I, I mean, I, I want to continue to, um, you know, go after the champions. I mean, because I looked at even through the buildup, like I, I said it from the buildup from Frampton. I always been a fan of Frampton's. Um, from when he fought Warrington, Donito, and just like I said, um, with Leo. I always been a fan, but I, I seen what he was fighting for, even against me. You know, he was fighting for his own legacy. And that kind of actually rubbed off on me to where I was motivated to fight for mine as well. Um, and we, we all personally, we all know, we, we've seen that um, Oscar Valdez has, has, you know, has, has called has called me out, you know what I mean? And he had, he had, he had a title. And I just felt like, um, you know, that's the more, that's the most logical and best Thing for me to do in my in terms of my career, career-wise, I mean, Shakur is not it's not a bad fight either. But there's more benefits coming with fighting a guy like Oscar Valdez because you know it, it could be a unification. He has a WBC crown. Um, you know, he whoever whoever you talk to, he's considered either the number one or number two guy in the division. And for me, like I always been that type of guy where, as a Marine at least, you want to I want to continue to push myself. So why not keep going for the for the guys that are that. Uh, above me that's how i look at it and, and go from there uh he he just recently fought not too long ago you just fought when, when do you foresee this unification uh fight taking place hey you know me bro i'm not an a side or b side guy so for starters um so when you say that we could fight in september you know that, that that's big for that's big for boxing especially for um for mexican fanfare around the world that is big for boxing and me um, you know, I got cut, but I, I, you can't even tell. And 
I'm just a worker. I'm just ready to get back in the gym, to be honest with you. And whenever they want to do, to do it, that's fine with me. But if we, like I said, I want to have a spectacular year to where not only where, um, you know, I, I come back from a rough 2020, but if I, if I win um, another fight, I guess, especially against a great champion as, as Valdez, that has to put me, a guy like me of all people, in, in, at least in the conversation of fighter of the year. You know, that, and that's and that's what I'm going for. I'm not. I don't want. I'm not going for any um, you no know, tune-ups. I don't want. I don't want too long of a break. I don't want. You know, I don't want to fight anyone that that people are not interested in seeing. I'd rather fight somebody that people actually have conversations. Well, you know, Jamel can maybe lose to this guy, or Jamel. Has, you know, I want to be in those fights. So that that's where that's where I'm at. So like I said, whenever um his team wants to come to the table, and you know, and I know they they express great interest in it, but you know how boxing works. We have to get something on paper at least first before anything is possible. But that's just what that's just what I want to do. I just want to go and have you know I was already 2019 Ring Magazine's Comeback Fighter of the Year. Now I want to go for the Ring Magazine's Fighter of the Year award. And then, like I said, anything's possible, and that's just what I'm shooting for. Uh, and you, you get uh, Valdez. When would you see yourself moving up to 135? You know I have unfinished business there. <laughs> Y'all, you know, I was with you guys. I was over there. Well, you know, I have unfinished business there at 135, so I have to, I have to make my statement there as well. But um, I really was willing to move up, back up after the Frampton fight. But it was just that the Valdez fight was just so intriguing. It was like, you know, you, I have an opportunity not, not only to become a two-time world champion, but also um, the lineal world champion. And you know, in boxing, that's very rare. That's a rare feat to accomplish. So. That's why I was looking at, you know, willing to stay around um, a super featherweight for that fight. But you know, if things don't go, don't play out my way, I always have I always have a lot of opportunities at 135 pounds as well. Um, I'm very accustomed to the weight class, so that's not an issue. And like I said, and that's what I mean. I just feel like I have a lot more in me to prove and to and to gain. So I just even if if I get Valdez after Valdez, I have no issue coming back to lightweight and um making my statement and mark and mark there. Yeah, and, and you know I love when we have guys on. I always ask them this question. Listen, if it was up to you, give me your next two fights. My next two fights, like I say, of course, um, Valdez would be one for sure, for sure. But um for me, I'm not picky. I'm not picky. Um, any one of the um champions that. And, and a super featherweight again or, or 135, that's for me. That's, that's just me. Because like I said, right now, I'm all about collecting as many titles as I possibly can and, and just, you know, stepping my mark in boxing. You know, everyone looks at that lightweight division, you know, whether it's Tia Fimo, whether it's Ryan Garcia, whether it's Devin Haney, whether it's Tank Davis. I mean, and they say, yo, I got to have one of those guys. Is, <laughs> is there one out of the four that you, you, know, you are <laughs> You know, it's, I'm glad you brought, you know, it's funny, like literally just today and for the past couple of days, um, a name that I thought I would not hear because of how boxing is today, but I, I've heard um, even a matchup with Ryan Garcia popped up. That's the, that's, that's crazy. So like for me, I'm like, you know what, it's, it, if it happens, it happens. I'm not, I'm not shying from it. You know, like I said, it's all, it's all about making good fights, but like I said, the, the, like I'm in I'm in a position right now where you know there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of doors open up for me, and I'm I'm just grateful just to even be mentioned with all those the good names of the sport of boxing. And um, like I said, if it happens, let's let's do it. But yeah, that, that's 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 the thing I heard has popped up. Um, and I know, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you know Devin's next fight because you know Devin, I'm, I'm like I said, I love 
I love the new talents coming up, and Devin's done a great thing. He he holds the WBC title, so yeah, I'm just I'm I'm like I'm looking. You know me, bro. I'm always I'm always, I'm always observing as a fan perspective, but at the same time, I'm a, I'm a businessman too, and I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter, so I, I'm looking at everything that's going on around me. Well, you know, you did something a couple of years ago that you don't you see a lot of fighters do. You see a lot of fighters, you know, wanting to be signed with Al Heyman in the PBC, but you left uh, Heyman. Uh, the PBC, you ended up signing with top rank. Uh, tell, tell us why. Um, like I said, first and foremost, let me just say that um, I still got a lot of love and respect for Al Heyman. Al Heyman gave me an opportunity. Al Heyman was one of the first people that, to come to me when I was um, when I was coming out of, the, out of the Olympics. And, you know, he put me on a great platform. But it was never anything, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm glad we put that on there now. It was nothing, no bad blood or anything like that with, with me and um you know, the PBC family, because I still consider them as family, because I got a lot of great, great friends over there at the PBC, at the PBC. But um, I left because of the what was going on with the weight classes. Like, you know, Brian, my last fight over there was with um, Ladarius Miller at lightweight. And I even though I thought I, I thought I pulled that one fight out, I just I just needed a change. And it, I, not so much change with who was running my career, because like I said, Alan was doing a great job of my career. You know, just that the options at the time, when I wanted to move down and wait, they weren't really there in terms of, um, you know, for opportunity. And that's really the only reason why, you know, I moved over not only from like my, um, you know, my, my team in terms of my corner, but who was running my career, which was the top rank, because I just, there was just more over there in terms of where I'm at in, in, in division, in the division, you know, the weight categories. But yeah, like I said, I, um, I got a lot of love and respect for Al. Like, I, I still tune in the PBC fights, and I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, the, I don't get to the whole thing of um, this side of that side of the street. Like, I mean, for instance, I train and Bud Crawford's my brother, but at the same time, I work with Errol Spencer, my little teammate. That's my bro. He checks on me all the time as well. So, I always feel like if you, if you, um, you, you, you show love and respect for those around you, you get the same respect and you know the same love and respect in return. And Another thing I believe in this sport, you never want to burn bridges. So, you know, I've had great, I still speak with Leonard Ellaby all the time. We, we've had great conversations, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, like I said, for me, I would, I would love to stay, to stay with Al. It was just that at the time, like when I, when I had to make a change for myself, cause like I said, um, I just had suffered another defeat. It's like, you know, with boxing, you better make some changes. Cause you know, the, the window opportunity is very small. And I just had to do what, what I felt, what I felt was best for me, but you know, just recently I reached out to um, you know, to Sylvia and Brad, and you know, and I spoke, you know, spoke to spoke with Sylvia because I heard about the passion of her father. But you know, I got a lot, of, I got a lot of love over there for Sylvia and Brad because they did a lot for me. So I felt that it was a good time for me to reach out, you know, speak speak a couple of kind words, and you know, they responded very well, and it just showed me that that you know I didn't leave a bad taste in anyone's mouths. And even Brad reached out to me and said, you know. Congrats for all the success I had. And that's all I really meant. That's all I really meant to me. Great. Like I said, at the end of the day, I want to, you know, I don't want to be known just for what I've done in the ring. I want to be, you know, I want to leave a good mark on people, how they look at me and perceive me as a, as a person. And those, and for those who don't uh, know who he's talking about, when you talk about Sylvia and Brad Owens uh, work for the PBC and Al Heyman and yeah. Sylvia's worked with Al Heyman for a long time. That's yeah. uh who the champ hey, is talking about. Hey, if you know Sylvia, you don't want to mess with Sylvia. You know Al Heyman. Yeah, you, you, know, hey, yes. you want to stay on Sylvia's good side. I'm telling you. Absolutely. And You're right like, about that. Like, I was talking, I always talk to Sam with him as well. So, you know, Sam Watson, that's my guy still. So, you know, Sam, I, I, I've seen him. 
you know, and he showed me a lot of love. He was happy for me. He was happy that I became a world champion. And those, those are the things that, that matter to me the most is, have, is keeping, you know, good relationships with people that, you know, seeing you come start up from the bottom and, and watch your career come up, you know, come up to where it's at now. So, like I said, shout out to, you know, Brad and Sylvia and um, Al and my man Sam. Much love to y'all. And you, you also, you changed trainers. You changed for, uh, trainers from Mike Stafford to uh, Brian uh, McIntyre, Bo Mack, yeah, uh, who Bo Mack. obviously trains with Bud Crawford. Uh, talk to us about, was that just part of part of the change when you made oh, yeah. uh, the change yeah. over to top rank? You know, it's funny. That, it was funny because me and Bo were actually willing to stay with the, um, with the PBC and everything mm -hmm. when I did change it. So it wasn't like it was a complete chain of the rip. No, like, it came to where okay, I needed to change in my corner. And I like I, I love Mike. I love Mike, but at the time, I just felt that it wasn't enough focus on where I needed to be at, and you know, to get up, you know, to get where I wanted to be. So, like, so I, you know, I spoke with um, I spoke with Bowman. A lot of people don't know that um, I actually got close with Bowman because around that same time, I believe, I was also in camp with Bud to help him get prepared for the Indongo um unification. At, at, at junior welterweight so that's when i that's when we formed the chemistry there when i was when i was helping out bud in terms of sparring for that fight so when i when i went over to bud and um bomac they 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 welcomed me with open arms when i needed a new change in my corner and we actually wanted to stay with the pbc um side of, of things it just that like i said we just didn't have the opportunities that we wanted in terms of moving down the super featherweight they just weren't there at the time so that's when um, we had to like start figuring out like where I wanted to go because at that, at that point in time, my whole career was, was around, you know, the PVC brand. So and, and even before then, people, like, a lot of people don't remember that, you know, I was working closely with Golden Boy and everyone. So I started my, like, my pro debut on a Golden Boy car. So it's like, I've been everywhere when, thanks to Al in the game, but we went over the top rank because like I said, we just seen that there was more opportunities for that weight, that, that weight division. And that's how that came about. You know, we've had Bud on a couple of times and, you know, the last time we had him on, you know, it kind of made news when he said, you know, he voiced his displeasure on where the kind of fights that he was getting, wanting big fights. And I asked right. him about staying with top rank and he said, hey, look, you know, my, my deal is coming up and if I can't get the fights, then yeah, I'll have to make a change. Do you get a sense that he'll, that he will, will lean towards the PBC because he feels Maybe that's the way if he's going to get the Errol Spence, the, the Sean Porters is easier that way, or do you think he'll stay at top rank? Um, I think, I think he'll, he'll, he'll do the same as I did. Like he'll make the best career decision for him. Um, and then at the end of the day, like I always say to people, like, I don't really look too much into this promoter or that promoter better than that. I said, no, you got, I said, as a fighter, you got to look at what's best for you around your landscape. Like for me, if you look at okay, the super featherweight division is basically heavy around at the top rank brand, and then mm -hmm. you know the PBC, you got my guy over there like you know Javante Davis, but how many? It's not too many. You know, you see he's he's potentially with the fight um Mario at 140 now because it's probably feel like there's not too many options for him at super featherweight over there. But if you're a welterweight, you your best you know your best logical thing was like hey. PBC got all the welterweights over here. Like, you know, um, I don't want to, like, I know, like, as a champion, I, I feel it. Like, you don't want to be stuck with just fighting maybe mandatories that people don't know of or people uh, or the fans who aren't interested in. But over here, you know, you have the Sean Porters, the Errol Spence, 
the, the Ugas, and, you know, and, 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 that, and so on and so on. So I think for Bud, at least, he's going to weigh, he's going to weigh out things and see, you know, what's best for him, you know, not just in terms of um financially, because he's financially well off, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you want to leave your mark in boxing, you want to, but you need you need those you need those those fights and that's where I'm at now like that's why I, I press so hard to get the Frampton fight because like okay I'm a world champion but you don't there's so many titles floating around people start to question well what have you done you know who have you fought so I look at this you know I look at that with Bud he's gonna have to figure out you know what's best for his career but uh, obviously you know we we all know it's no secret we all want to see him and him and Errol fight. You know, I would, I would, I told him I wouldn't even mind seeing him and, and Sean fight because I, I like, I love Sean Porter to that too. Sean brings out the best in any, in any anybody. Fighter. Yes, and he's gonna, he's gonna bring it. So you can, I, I'll, you'll never see Sean in a dull fight. And um, like he's, like I wouldn't even say he's a, I can't even say he's a dance partner because Sean is, is um, is a great champion in his own right. But yeah, but the fight with Sean is good. Of course, we all know everyone chasing the Pacquiao sweepstakes, you know. But like I said, um, a lot of the, a lot of the welterweights is over there on, on um, PBC side. So we'll just have to wait and see. How how, how different uh, of a fighter are you now that you train and obviously spar a lot uh, with Bud Crawford? Uh, I'm I'm a definitely. Um, a completely different fighter from what I was in 2017. Like I, I have more of a, um, a champion mindset when I when I go in when I go into camp. Um, you know, I, I have that have that, that that mentality that I feel like I can pretty much beat anybody out there because I have a great team with me and I have I have a Bud Crawford behind me. Even though it's I feel like he's always nagging me and, and pushing me in the gym, but I need that. You know, it, it help it help it, it motivates me. And just like now. Um, you know, I plan on going out to um, Colorado Springs where he's at, where he's training to go push him, and he respects that as well. So it's like it's, it's more of a mutual thing. There's, there's no, I love the fact that there's no egos involved. You know, when when he's training for a fight, that's his moment, that's his time to, for everybody to focus on him. And same goes for me. When, when he knows that I'm training for a fight, he'll come in, but he'll give me the same respect that that I give him with, with his training camps. And um, it's just a great atmosphere. Like like I said, every time I go into, especially with with a big win that I just had came off of now, when I go back to camp, I'm definitely going to feel even more confident and, but looking forward to, to bigger, for bigger challenges to keep pushing me as well. Um, you, you mentioned it, you know, last year was man, uh, a turbulent, uh, a year for you for obviously for a number of people because of COVID. Uh, but your, your fight, uh, in July, uh, gets postponed with Okendo, uh, because you end up taste testing positive for COVID twice. Uh, <laughs> what did that virus, how did it affect you, man? How did it affect your body? You know what? When I had caught it the first time or whatever, it was towards the end of camp. And you know, like towards the end of camp, you're just peaking. So I'm thinking like, I'm feeling like, you know, from just working so hard, I'm feeling the fatigue factor from training camp. You know, um, I, my, my body was aching from the body aches. But I, at that time, I, I thought it was just from, you know, me just working hard in the gym. But luckily, my nutritionist, she said it. She said, because she keeps notes of all my camps and how my body reacts to certain certain um, times throughout the camps week by week. So she was like, no, something's wrong. This is not how you normally feel. But I was like, I was like, really just like, I will work hard. But when I, when I, when I was done, I would crash. And I would just like be like, just, I didn't want to do nothing. I had no appetite. I just, you know, I just wasn't feeling well. So I never forget, she made me go to the, she made me go to the, um, to go see a doctor. 
very next day they gave me the call and said, um, you know, I was positive for COVID-19. I said, okay, that didn't make sense. And then like that same night, that same night, I had broke out with the um with the fever. So I was like, okay, yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I had to go. I'm like, I'm in my bed, just sweating. And let me run in the summertime, so I'm thinking that one plane, it was just hot, but like, no, I was just sweating and then like crazy. And um I had I was meant to call and tell the team that, you know, we gotta push the fight back. So we pushed the fight back to July, I believe it was 16th or something like that. But before I, I even got was able to get on a plane, I had a test, I had a test. So I tested negative. But when I got to Vegas <laughs> the, the, the next day, boom, positive. I'm like, wow. And then it was crazy, Brian, is I went to go take another test that following morning, you know, because I, I just felt something was wrong. And they and I tested negative. But the, it was it was like it was like positive, negative, positive, negative. And then it was like, you know what? It was like, you know what? We'll just push the fight back to um to 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 six weeks out. And people fail to realize I was training for that fight from the beginning of like April. Wow. And I didn't get into the ring all the way until September. And, and, and you know, when I tested positive the first time and they told me that they were scheduled to uh, July 16th, people fell the people don't know I was still training like by, by myself. I was like, I couldn't be around anyone I was in the gym, of course, but like right, I was out there running by myself with, with COVID just to like stay in shape to keep my lungs open because you know COVID affects the respiratory system so I want to keep I, I didn't want to take any chances of uh, messing with my, uh, my breathing so I, I was still lightly out there running on my own to keep my lungs open and all and also to keep the weight down and like I say even when I, when I went back in mid-July I made the weight I was I was underweight you know I made the weight and everything but it was like oh nope positive again so I had to go back and then like I said it's like six weeks out that's pretty much another training camp. That's pretty much a yeah. whole other training camp. So it's like, I didn't get a break in between that. And you can see it in like, when I finally got to the ring that not only was my body still affected from the virus, but I probably was a little bit, well, not a little bit, I probably, I probably was overworked, overtrained up until that point. So that played a lot, but you know, when everything came up afterwards, I just needed a break, of course. And I took that as motivation to show that, listen, this is not, this is not me. And another thing people don't know is that um, to this day, I have not watched that fight. <laughs> really? I have not, I have not watched that fight. If anything, I got more of word of mouth, even though I was in there, but it looks differently when you sit back and watch your own fight. But like, for the most part, I got word of mouth. Like, like how did that fight go? They're like, you know, champ, you know, we seen it. But I, I might, like, honestly, I might now after, you know, everything settles down, I might go back and watch that fight, but I, that's probably the only fight I've never watched. And like, listen, I watched the Dennis Shavikov fight before I watched that last fight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the crazy thing is because, you know, obviously that fight ended uh, after the eighth round, you got that nasty cut and um, from the head butts. And, 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 you know, you, and I, I know you heard, uh, from social media, people were, oh, it looked like he didn't even want to fight in that fight. That He was happy that fight uh, ended. Uh, he didn't even look interested in the ring. I mean, how did all of that affect you? Ain't no, hey, Brian, you know, I'm big on social media, but I think that's like the one time I really had to take a break from social media because it was just, it was just hitting me. It was just hitting me left and right from all angles. And I'm like, man, I think the, for the most part, I wasn't so upset with how people looked at the performance, I was more upset how they judged my character. Cause like, mm. like we all know my story. We all know my background. 
they were questioning me as a Marine. They were saying that I was basically a, a disgrace, a disgrace to the Marine Corps. And that's what bothered me more. Like I said, I, 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 cause I knew, I knew it was wrong in terms of my performance. I knew it was wrong. That part didn't bother me. But I was more upset. Like people was just calling me like a quitter. I was disgraced to the Marine Corps. I was disgraced to my country. It was just, it was just a lot of that going like negativity. And it was like, and probably seen on social media. That's why when I made that statement saying that I was thinking about just leaving the sport, it wasn't so much of um, the way, you know how I performed. It was, I, I was also more afraid of the uh, long-term, long-lasting effects that the, uh, the virus leaving my body. Because I'm pretty sure you see now that athletes in other sports, I seen were forced to retire because their their bodies didn't you know didn't cope well or recover fully from the virus. So I was more I was more worried about that. And on top of that, you know, my family was just more concerned because they actually they were actually taking the criticism a lot more heavier than I was. Me, I, I looked at it as it comes with boxing. We even even the greats were criticized, so that part didn't really bother me. But it was bothering them more than whether it was like we just want you away from the sport because we you you giving your all to the sport and look what you're getting in return. So that was that was another thing that that really hit me and why I made that statement early on. But you know, when when I had got the rest that I needed in the break away from just the gym and the ring for a while and started watching it again and seeing all the all the good fights that were being made, that's what actually sparked me to get my hunger back and be like, you know what? We gotta get this fight. I, I made my I made a work, I made a promise to myself that I would get this fight and I would get it done. And even with all the setbacks with the family fight, I was motivated motivated each and every day to make sure that I got in that ring and gave it my all against him. That's great, man. That's cool. Um, so let, let's talk about briefly here about your, your story, because it is remarkable for, for those uh, few who don't all know it. I mean, you, your former sergeant uh, there in the Marines, you did two tours of duty uh, over in Iraq. Uh, what, what was that like? And, and what did that, what kind of toll did that take on you uh, physically and emotionally? I mean, my first tour, I was only but 19 years old. I wasn't even old enough to even have a drink, <laughs> you know. I was, and when I went over there, I, ha I had no worries because I was, for one, I was still a kid, and I, and, I, and you don't see this in America, that type of stuff in America, so you don't know what to expect. But at the same time, all you look at it is, you know, the cool action from like the movies and things like that. So like, I was like more carefree, even though I was in Fallujah at the time, which is very dangerous at that point in time back in 2005. It was, it was it was wild, but um, it just made me, it just, you know, it, it made me mature more. Cause like I said, I was still like I said, I was still young, I was still a kid. But like when I started seeing that others were depending on you over there to make it, you know, to make it to see the next day, that's when I started taking things a little bit more serious. But it wasn't until my second tour where I really, you know, started appreciating just, you know, the values that we have in America and just life as life as a whole. Because um, at this point, at that time. I was expecting my first son and I missed his birth because I was over in Iraq and I'll never forget the story that um, that always sticks out to me. Well, you know, I was there, but it always, it, till this day, it plays in my mind. There was a sergeant um, and he was basically, and he was an EOD technician. Most people who, who, do, who don't know, EOD is basically like the bomb squad. So he dealt, he dealt a lot with all the um, roadside explosives. And I'll never forget, he was giving us a class and he was telling, and I, um, I guess there was, there was a couple of Marines that were fooling around and he got annoyed because they weren't they weren't taking it seriously. And he was like, listen, I'm out here every day trying to teach you guys what to look out for because and I because I want to get home safely to my family. So I'm pretty sure you want to get home safely to your family. And he told us that he had a two-week-year-old son at that point in time when he gave us that class. I'll never forget. 
The next week, he had lost his life uh, to an explosion. And I looked at him like, man, this is a guy who I was just speaking to. He, you know, he had a, a, a newborn son who he'll never get to meet. And here I am, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a child of my own. So I'm like, man, this is like, this is real life. Like this can happen to, to anybody. So that's when I started appreciating each and every day that, that I, I'm here on this, on this planet, you know? And, yeah. and of course, um, you know, I, at times I got, I got kind of like, you know, stressed and worried and paranoid because like I said, every day it like, man, it's like, it seemed like it was like, you would never get that to that close to that day of going home, you know, because it's like, man, I'm out here for another least four or five months, like, and the days are just getting longer. But when I got back, you know, that's when I, you know, I, I changed everything around for myself because I said, like, I said, okay, now I have somebody that depends on me, is and, and it's not a joke. So that helped me also mentally. It, it made me mentally stronger as well. This is with boxing, like you know, I've been through it all with boxing, and I look at, I would say, that boxing for me is more was more of a um, a stress reliever because when I'm in the gym, I could just focus on just training, and which I love. I love to train, and just focus on that. All all my problems are, are left at the door. So when I'm in the ring, even when I'm going through like a rough times in the ring, I was when I sit in that corner, I was thinking about like, man, there are a lot of Marines that look up to you. There are a lot of Marines that would that would probably do anything to be in your position right now. So don't sit here crying and complaining because it could be worse. Mm. What 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 about the emotional toll? Um, did it take on you all the, those tours in Iraq? Um, it, it, it like I said, I've been I've been deployed since 2007 where it's 2021 and I still think about the Marines I served with I still think about some of those rough days and nights that I were there so it definitely still plays a toll with me today I just learned how to how to cope with it a lot better because I had suffered from um you know I was suffering from PTSD following through the years and I just didn't know why at first I thought I was just like being a, a typical Marine you know just um I started isolating myself even during during my time in, in my own boxing career like I would just, uh, I would just stay into myself a lot, and it wasn't. My family just started seeing the difference in my, in my demeanor and attitude, and that's when I went to go get help. And that actually saved, saved me. Um, it saved my, I believe it saved my life because I was going down the wrong. I was going. I feel like I was, I was going down the wrong path, Brian. I felt like at one point in time I was even like close to even losing my family because I was just like pushing everybody away. Mm. and they just didn't know how to get to me but when I went when I actually went and got the help it just made me um you know it allowed me to open up to get those emotions that I would make that I would keep them tucked in and to get those emotions out and one person one individual that actually motivated me to um actually start speaking more about my own my own um toll and and my experience with things was, was Tyson Fury when I seen that Tyson Fury was going through Depression. And here's a man. Yeah. That I, here's a man at time. You would think. You would think like, man, he beat Klitschko. He's the man. He, he he's he's on top of the world. And you know, the heavyweight division has always been that prestigious division in, in, in boxing. So you would think, you know, he he's he's the king right now. But when I when I when I read and heard his story, and I was like, man, you know, even even the, the world, the heavy, you know, the the unified with heavyweight champion of the world, you know, he's gone through depression and things of that nature. And I was like, but he opened up and showed that, you know, he's human just like everyone else around him. That made me open up as well. Like, you know, and I told you, that's why I tell people all the time, like, yes, you might see me on TV. Yes, I might be a world champion, but, you know, I go through the same day-to-day, -day, you know, struggles that you this time, but here's how I cope with it. Here's how I deal with it. 
And I always said to myself, if I can help, you know, save at least one life, some one life, I'm happy with that because you know I, I've seen I've had um, friends in the Marine Corps that um that couldn't take it and you know they took their own lives and and or or they ended up on the wrong side where they was in trouble trouble after trouble and so and things and things like that so you know for me if I can get, if I can get out there with my free time and speak to troops all over and just let them know like hey you know I'm here for you like I I, I know how you feel I've been there that's all that really matters to me so that that's why you know. That's why I, I carry the name Summer Fire, which means always faithful it's a, it's a, um, in the Marine Corps. And, I, you know, I still carry myself as a Marine yeah. to this day. I think that's what, and probably why so many people connect with you and have so much, uh, like myself, have so much respect uh, for you. Also, I mean, you know, what, 2009, you, you suffered one of the worst tragedy I think any parent uh, could have. And your daughter uh, ends up dying uh, of SIDS. Did, did, did that uh, you think that was one of the things that when you talked about the, the, the clinical depression, is that what aided that? You oh, yeah, think? Of, course, of course, of course, definitely, definitely. I remember um, even as an amateur, I was still boxing. I wasn't even like, I remember when that happened, I didn't want to even see a gym. I didn't want to see, I didn't want to see anything. I, didn't, like, I just felt like I had no motivation to go on to do anything. But, um, you know, I had, again, I had great Marines and family around me to, I remember, I'll never forget it. I got the call from my um, from my old coach, uh, Robert Michael, um, who actually just who I actually speak to to this day, um, my old, my first Marine Corps coach trainer, and um, he said, "Listen, champ," he said, "Listen, I know you're going through a lot, but we need you. We need you. We need you here as, as a brother, and we need you here as a leader." And that's basically what got me back up, up and you know, running again. And as you see to this day, when you look at my trunks, I carry my my daughter's name on my trunks because I look at her as my. Um, for, I took something like a negative situation like that and I turned it into a positive with my own spiritual belief. And I look at it, at, look at her as my guardian angel. And that's why and that's, she's another reason why I stay on, on the right, the right, you know, the right path. Cause I always say to myself, if I do this, how would she look at me? Like, well, she I, like, nah, she wouldn't, she wouldn't approve of that. She wouldn't approve of that. So she, you know, it's like that, you know, that, that conscious level on my, on my, on my shoulder. Like she's over, I feel like she's always there watching over me. So like, um, and, I, and like I said, I, it's funny that you asked that because I just had to deal with another Marine who went through the same experience. But you know, like I, um, I reached out. You know, I just you know, I, and it's not it's not easy because to the day I still think about her each and every day. Yeah. You know, but if you can just like you know give some a few words of encouragement and you know signs of hope that you know that you know you can still make it in life and and, and move forward it doesn't mean you have to forget. You know that that's that that, that helps a lot of people. But like yeah, for my daughter. I put it on my on my each and every on my trunks, and it's, it's funny. Like um, I won my first world title on her birthday. On her ten, oh, it would have been, been her tenth birthday. So I'm like, everything happens for a reason. And I'm like, I don't believe in coincidence and things of that nature. So, I mean, that was that's what drove me. Like, just her memory drove me to be not only a better fighter, but a better person in life. Man, that's great. Uh, that's great, you know. Um, how, how many more years do you think you'll fight? Um, you know. I, I went to the school of Bernard Hopkins. <laughs> you know, I believe in um, you take care of yourself. You take it, like I said, I don't look the 35 role right now, but I'm saying, but I believe, like I said, I love the sport. I take it so I take it very seriously that I always that I always tell myself, you can't play boxing, but you have to live it. You, so that means when the cameras aren't rolling, you still have to take care of yourself out of the gym as well, as well as you as you train hard inside the gym. 
for me, Brian, I just look at it like I just take it one right now. I'm taking it one fight at a time, but I still want the big, the big, the next big thing, the next big thing, and so on. And so on. As long as I can keep up with it, and which I really feel like I can, because I said I felt great my last fight. Um, I can go on as, as long as possible. I don't want to look into it into like my forties, of course, like like B Hop did. But um, at the same time, I'm I'm just enjoying it, and you know. I feel great and I love it. And luckily for me, people don't realize also, I started the sport actually kind of late. Like I was about like 15, 16 years old. And then because of my um, <clears throat> Marine Corps career, I had to like take, of course, breaks from boxing, of course. And when I went to the Olympics, I only had, um, but only 96 amateur fights. And you know, yeah. like like guys yeah. like, my, like my brother, Rashi Warren, he had like 300 fights, yes. and, you know, yep. and like the average was at least around that time, 200 fights, you know, on the team. And here I am, I, I had less than um, 100 fights. So I don't have like wear and tear on, on my body as other, as other fighters do. So I believe as long as I take care of myself and just keep living right, you know, I can go as far as I possibly want to. Well, champ, for uh, everyone who uh, comes on the show, we allow people who listen who watch to submit questions. We got a number of them for you. So we'll just get to a few. Uh, you mentioned it. And uh, one guy who also tweeted at us and you was Shakur Stevenson. Uh, <laughs> so he said, quote, uh, on Twitter, I'm going to be in Colorado. So why don't you give Bo Mack, who's your obviously your trainer, my belt, and he can give it to me or you want to ship it to me. You can send it to my P.O. box. <laughs> What's your response? Hey, my response to that is, hey, listen, I'll be in Colorado as well because I know Shakur is going to go out there to um, not only train but support Bud. But I'm coming to get that. I want to come and get that P.O. box personally. I want to – that's me. So, like, I'll be out there too, but I don't – you know, I just want the FedEx. I don't plan on going back to mail anything out anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, this one on Twitter – and it says, uh, when do you feel you will be ready to challenge for those other belts? Um, I feel like I'm ready now. I mean, there's no there's no need to to wait or procrastinate. I, I mean, if we can get if I can get back in training camp by the summertime and, and, and fight before fall, I'm fine with that. Like I'm ready, like I said, I um definitely want to fight Oscar Valdez. Hopefully we can do it by September. Nice. Uh this one also from Twitter it says, uh Champ, what advice? would you give to someone who hasn't had their first amateur fight yet? Um, the, the main thing I'm telling them is to listen to your corner. Your corner has got you prepared. Your team has got you prepared for, for that moment. So you have to believe in not only in yourself, but believe in your team that they're, they're going to lead you on the right path. So just, you know, just, 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 just basically um, implement everything that you've worked on leading up to that fight. And that's what every fight, I mean, even, me as a champion, I still do the same thing with my team. We work on the game plan. We 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 have that. We build that trust amongst each other, and we just you know we just we're going into it as a team. So just you know believe in your team and believe in yourself, and you'll be all right. All right, Jamel Herring. It's time for the last segment of this show. We call it the Last Stand. I'm gonna ask you a series of questions. You just give me the first thing that comes to your mind, champ. You ready? Right, I'm ready. Here we go. Serious question. What was a tougher battle? Uh, for you, the two tours in Iraq, uh, as you pointed out, the PTSD uh, or the clinical depression, which one was the tougher battle? Um, the PTSD, the PTSD, mm. because like I said, um, one day, one day I could be feeling great. The next day I could just be in like the worst shape or mood. And 
that's that's rough because you're not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting the people around you. And I think I took that a lot harder, seeing that it was affecting the people that that I love around me. Uh, first thing that comes to your mind when I say the name, Colin Kaepernick. Colin, um, revolutionist, revolutionary type of dude. Um, it's crazy. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny that um that people were complaining about what he was doing, and then it got worse. <laughs> he started seeing. And then people were looking like, "Oh, why can't we be? They do peaceful protests. Like, well, they tried. I mean, Colin, Colin, you know, he tried. He, Silently, also, but they 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 drug him down. But I bet they wish that it was like that now. But no, nah, I mean a lot of respect for um, Colin Kaepernick. I'm actually upset that he's the way he was treated. But I believe that years down the road, people will look back and they'll give him his proper due respect. And, and the irony is how people always talk about is for some that 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 fake uh, love for people like yourself who serve this country, and yet. We just seen recently how those police officers, it was a lieutenant, and they pulled I mean, him out and maced him. I mean, I looked look like this also. When, when they, same thing with Colin Kaepernick, they kept the whole the Blue Lives Matter, and look how they treated the, um, the, cap, the officers at the, at the Capitol. So, I mean, I think people just, people just use certain things to, 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 to shield what they really, how they really feel. And, and, but it, the truth come, always comes to light. Yeah, you're right. Uh, greatest fighter. Who went from military to becoming a boxer? Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey, Rocky Marciano. The Brown Bomber. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm gonna go put some, I'm gonna pull out the um the, the, the coming to America Joe. <laughs> Rocky Marciano, he did <laughs> beat Joe Lewis's ass. <laughs> but, I mean, Joe Lewis at the time wasn't just a great boxer, it's what he represented during that time. And I always look at what people do outside the ring as well as they do inside the ring. And what, what he represented, especially for, um, you know, for our, you know, for the, for the black community at that time was big. And not to mention that he gave up a lot to look out for others. And I was kind of, it's kind of sad to the day how he was treated afterwards with his, with his wife outside the ring. But he, he's one, he's one of the greatest, you know, one of the greatest people People, you know, not fighters, but people to, to put on a pair of gloves, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, here, all right, here we go. Now they're getting good. Best current world champion to come out of Long Island. <laughs> Jamel Herring or Errol Spence Jr. Hey, listen, Errol, <laughs> we, we got we, we got to it already, Errol. You 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 were born in Long Island, Errol. Okay, what they say in Texas. You know, I love your family in Long Island too. I know them down there in Long Island, but since you don't want to claim it, I will claim the title of being the best actor <laughs> from Long Island. <laughs> I, don't I don't want anyone from Dallas to complain about that. <laughs> right. Errol does that. He does have a different story when he fights in Brooklyn. He's <laughs> exactly. like, yeah, my New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I love it. Okay. Here we go. Most talented fighter on that 2012 Olympic team. Okay. Errol Spence Jr. Yeah. Clarissa Shields oh. <laughs> or Jamel Herring? It's rough. It's rough. I got. I got. I'm taking myself out of that one. Um, if I gotta split it, <laughs> I have to give it. You know, um, Clarissa, you're doing. You're doing a phenomenal job for women's boxing. Yeah, you know I mean, not only inside the ring, but I, I see what you, I see what you're pushing for outside the ring. So we gotta. We gotta give you respect for that. 
And that was a no-brainer. Like Errol, Errol, between Errol and maybe Jose Ramirez, those were the two guys that people were really talking about a lot coming out of that class. But um, I'm just glad to see a lot of the class, you know, my friends from that class doing well. Like I've seen Terrell just had a great performance against my, you know, my good friend, Javante Clark. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing my brother Marcus Brown getting back into the ring. Rashid Warren just came up with another win. So, you, you know, bro, I keep, they're still my team. I got love for everybody, but, you know what I'm saying, Errol was probably that top dog that came out of the team. All right. Uh, listen, you obviously on that team, coolest person you met at the Olympics? Coolest person that I met at the Olympics on that team? Well, no, just, you know, when you were there at the Olympics, you were like, wow, man, I just met such and such, and this, oh, this was great. No, I, I, oh, man, God, um, God rest his soul. I, met, I got to meet Kobe. I got to meet Kobe. I met Kobe. Um, real laid back dude. Real laid back dude. Um, you know, and, and he loves was, fighting. He loves yeah, fighting. He, he uh, loved boxing. We love boxing. We, love, we lost a great one, but I got to meet Kobe Bryant. So that, I'll probably say that, that's, I mean, not because he, you know, he's a legend and he's gone, but no, he was, he was actually, a lot cooler than people try to portray him on, you know, in the, in the, in the media. So, but yeah, Kobe, Kobe and LeBron, they were real laid back and cool. Oh, that's great. That's great. Listen, champ, I've been wanting to do this for a while and I just, I really appreciate you taking the time and spending some time with us here on the last stand. Oh yeah. I gotta come back. I gotta come back, Brian. Like Absolutely. Said. Hey, you, you <laughs> listen, <laughs> if you, if you unify, we have, we gotta, we gotta have you on to talk about it. Oh yeah. We, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. I appreciate you though. I love it. Hey, listen, that's what we do here, folks. We bring you the biggest names in the sport and none bigger than the champ himself, Jamel Heron. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again next week.